It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. My guest this week is Zach Deer of Stone, formerly Expired. I say formerly because Expired just recently finished up their last tour, uh, one of which of the last shows culminated in playing my house in my basement. And if you would like to see footage of how insane that got, uh, you can head over to YouTube and just search Expired Grand Rapids House Show. It got really nuts. Part of the ceiling beam came down. People were hitting each other with the the tile, the ceiling tiles. Uh, watched a kid get punched right in the face and had a broken nose, or so it seemed. Uh, I know there were a couple of uh, friends, mainly Chris Smith and his wife, Becky. Uh, Becky was pregnant and sat behind my bar, not drinking because they're straight edge, but behind my bar for the safety of herself and her little one. And at the end, she tended to some of these uh, these bloody kids and got them all fixed up. So shout out to her. I, I don't think really she ever got a, the just due for doing all of that. Yeah, so if you go to YouTube, you can see that video and just see the craziness of just that whole night, which, as you'll hear in this episode, kind of reaffirmed why I love going to shows, especially smaller shows, and and hardcore and heavy music as a whole. It's very much a sense of community and a sense of belonging, and kind of especially where people don't typically feel like that, when they don't typically feel like they belong. And it was one of those things where, you know, packing 130 kids plus the bands, plus some random people that were my friends that just showed up just to hang out, you know, that's a lot of people that come out, and, you know, as I kept thinking that night, like, if this show were at a legit venue, and maybe even cheaper than the, you know, the 10 bucks to get in, I don't really know that even half of it would have gone, and that's kind of sad, because it's a good band, and it was a great night, but I don't know, there's just something to be said about house shows, when they, when they run smoothly and they're done right, it just reminds you of why music can be so special, and just, you know, really touch you and impact you for a while, like I said, I, in this episode, I ended up taking the feeling from that show with me for a few days and just really invigorated that I wanted to be a part of music in some way shape or form or keep booking great shows like that and sometimes in booking shows you get a little bit of fatigue it's a very thankless job you're usually the first one to get bitched at for whatever fucking reason you know getting calls day of like hey this set time doesn't work for us or hey we gotta back out like it's it's a very taxing and thankless job and and i don't do it to get thanks but on the flip side of that seeing shows like the house show and seeing how the house show did for zach uh and then you know watching the the documentary that sean and his other friend did on the house show tour just kind of really showcases what a vibe of being a part of something like that is for a lot of people we're going to keep this intro kind of short. This episode runs pretty quick, like we talked for about 45 minutes. So hopefully you dig this. And by the way, if you do, we're going to put this up on uh, the video of uh, Zach and I talking up on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to go over to uh, YouTube and look up uh, John's Untitled Podcast, you should be able to find this episode and a few other ones I've done, uh, slowly putting up all the videos that I've collected uh, with some of the guests that I've chatted with. So if you want to see what this looks like, the video portion is over there. It's not super entertaining, but... Some people like being able to watch because you're weird fucking voyeurs, I guess. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, here's my chat with Zach Deer.
So with the, the house show tour that you guys did, uh, and then the subsequent last round of touring for Expire as, as the entity Expire, um, did you find that the shows as they were, like that's how they always were, or were you finding a lot more people coming out just to kind of pay their respects as it were? Um, I think it was like a, a bit of a combination. First off, no matter how clearly we like when we announced that we were breaking up and how clear we were about like this is not happening at this exact moment whatever it seemed like every show we would play people would be like oh this is your last tour and it's like no you really didn't read it like <laughs> you read you read down until you saw whatever date was in your city which like in weird ways i mean honestly, to your favor helped, honestly helped the shows because then we didn't announce the last tour until after like people knew it was happening if they would have read to the bottom, but <laughs> um, they didn't, you know, most didn't. And they saw the house show tour as their last opportunity to see the band. So like, I think that coupled with, I mean, there were like a lot of older, older friends that came out to that tour partially because like, it was the first tour that was like fully band booked. Like I booked the whole thing in years. So there was a bit of like, like a, like a, that sort of thing, like a throwback kind of like, Oh, they're just doing it. Like yeah, you kind of have to be in the know. And I kept it very like addresses. I mean, like people knew some of the houses, whatever. And some addresses got announced too soon, but I made it. So addresses got announced day of, and whether that hurt the show or helped the show, like, cause it made it mysterious. I just kind of rolled with it. And I liked, like there were like two shows on the tour that were like cool, but like kind of just okay because of that, because of that. And I was going into it being like there, I almost want there to be a show where like 10 kids show up and it feels like my first tour. It feels like, you're back in a house and you're playing and no one knew you were coming. And you're paying blah, blah, blah. Like, Yeah. And I, and like, um, there were two shows. We did two, uh, Cleveland shows in one day. I think that was and, the day after mine. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, and I mean, part of it was the fact that we did two shows. Part of it was neither of the addresses, you know, the address thing wasn't announced. And I think, and neither of the shows were bad by any means, but if someone was like, what were like, you know, cause both of them probably had 40 people at them and it was cool. But like, then on the same note, there's this bit of like the people doing the house whose, whose house it is kind of know about the band. So like, you know, some people wanted to do pre-sale for their house because they were worried that too many people were going to show up <laughs> and it would get really bad. And then... That's kind of how those show went. Both of them did pre-sale and only wanted 50 because they thought their basements were too small, 50 people, whatever. And like it was fine. Like 50 people you know, showed up to both shows and they were fun. But like it definitely was – you could just tell like we all got there and it was like the person would kind of mention that, oh, I guess we could have fit a few more people in here, which is fine. Like I had no – like I was stoked on all of it. I, there were shows that I couldn't breathe and I was fighting for my equipment. And then there were shows that like the, like the Cleveland ones that were like, this is 50 kids and every one of them are stoked to be here. And then we're going to go to the next show, the late one and play that. And it was cool, man. But I think going back to the question, I think that tour 
kind of kind of everything like the house show brought out people who mistakenly thought it was the last tour old fr- <laughs> old friends who kind of were just like man i haven't seen uh expire in a setting like this in five six years um you know i think it was a lot of different kind and then there was people that had seen us on four year strong tours who were coming into a setting like that being like this is insane and i <laughs> never i never even knew that this happened like who only go you know to bigger venues you know um who only have ever seen shows where you can hear everything going on. A mic will never break. You can always see every, and you're not having to touch anyone. And it kind of <laughs> made it, it was cool, man. It made it so like the last couple of years of expire, we did a lot of mixed bill stuff and, you know, I loved it, but it made all those people that we saw on those tours come into our world and come into the world. Like we went out into that and, right. and, and, maybe got out of our comfort zone, put some people that really liked expire out of their comfort zone, having to like, you know, sit through a pop punk show if they don't like that kind of stuff or sit through a metal course, you know, whatever it, it brought people that had fucked with us for a long time out of that. But then on that house show tour, we got to come back and be like, and if you like the band, you get to come into our realm now and you right. get to see where we come from. And I thought that was like, a really cool thing and a, and like a good, like coming full circle type feeling where we do all this stuff and people fall off and maybe don't like the band as much or whatever. But then it was just like, people would see that and go, okay, okay. I get it. Like, that's cool. Yeah. It definitely was a fun atmosphere for, for my house. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, a lot that was of, crazy. <laughs> I mean, crazy. It's part of my ceiling breaking and shit. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right. All the tiles and shit. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it was definitely one of those things that as someone who puts on shows and has kind of done a few house shows myself and in my own house, uh, that it reminded me of what got me into going to see live bands is just being feeling that intimacy of yeah, the connection absolutely. of being right there on top of a band, being there, having people sweating all over you and touching you and kind of like yeah. having no personal space, but loving every minute of it because you, you're oh, there yeah. for the music. And it reminded, and all things considered, like we had 130 paid people walk in plus all the bands, plus some random people. Whoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like you figure there's probably at least 150 people crammed in my basement and yeah. surrounding oh. areas. And it was probably the most behaved crowd like that I've ever seen at a hardcore show like that. <laughs> And to me, like, that was my big walkaway. It's like, I've been to shows in legit venues that aren't run as nice as tightly, mm-hmm. like, tightly ran and, and the camaraderie there. Like, people just assholes and whatever. And that was a takeaway for me that night. And I was kind of like, man, if this is kind of, like, what is indicative of the whole house show tour for you guys, like, I'm really stoked for you guys. Because that's that's a feeling that, like, stays with you for, like, days. It, it stuck, stuck with me for at least, like, a week. I just rode that high of that show. And that yep. feeling for like a week. And I was like, you guys are doing this like pretty much every night for like two weeks or so. Yep. It was really cool. Like that was a tour that I've wanted to do for years and it just never made sense. Uh, it never worked timing wise. Like there were times it would have made sense, but because I mean, it took, it took calling it as far as the band goes to be able to go, okay, well we have this essentially a last year and it doesn't matter what 
anyone else who's kind of tried to have a finger in the band um, wants to do. It's like, okay, it's just because for, I mean, it happens. You get kind of wrapped up in, especially a band like us that we're touring six, eight, ten months a year. Um, you know, it's our jobs. Like that's how I lived for years and how I could pay my bills and things like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But and but it does make it from time to time you have to consider the fact that okay, no one has a job. Um, you know, should we do this house show tour now, or it's something we can set on the back burner and take this other tour that you know we still get to play shows, we still get to show the band to new people and get new people into this, but. It also makes sure that we can continue to do this. Like right. that's the reality of it. And with hardcore, there comes this weird kind of that's like a weird s- stigma about it. And people are very it's this culture that's, you know, from the streets or whatever. But now that 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 and, and you know, money is not an issue and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not about the money, but like things change. This isn't the 80s. This isn't like and no disrespect to any bands that came from that but this it's not the same it's not how it is now people don't find bands because they have to travel for them people find bands because of who has the coolest demo that week that twitter's talking about or who turned their band into a fucking internet meme or whatever like that's how it works now and i think you know um it made it cool to be able to come back after all those tours where we had to put it off and kind of, you know, focus on making sure we were good and progressing the band so that we could, and, you know, making money, it's, it's part of it. Um, and to be able to come back and just do this and be like, this is the last year of the band. Like we're never going to do this again. Um, let's do whatever we want. A hundred percent. Like no fuck a you know whatever booking agent wants us to do something different fuck whatever manager is trying to pressure us into some show or some tour that we think is bullshit like we're just gonna do a couple tours that we really like and then call it with uh i would say most notably motley crew in the last year i think it's been at this point since they're they've called it a day as being as far as being a live band that's the loophole yeah. that's the loophole i don't think anyone's caught on to yet yeah um was there was there a lot of like maybe like oh you guys are just saying this just because like did you get a lot of like backlash like to that or were people just like kind of like oh this sucks and you know be stoked on the last handful of shows that we may have that are like in your touring run like you mean like in the sense of like I remember when Motley Crue called it day and they're like hey this is going to be our last tour however it's going to just very much like you did you're like we again people don't read but yeah. <laughs> uh, you know this is we're going to do these last run of shows we're going to announce another tour in the states we're going to be hitting Europe we're going to be hitting Japan you know like Motley when they announced that they were done they said like, uh-huh. we're going to probably be touring for two years so it's not going to yeah. be an immediate thing however when the tour is done on, on such and such date we're done we're not going to be playing live anymore Sure. And a lot of people were like, oh, this sucks. It sucks. But then there are a lot of people who are like, well, you know, better to pack it up when you're you're still ahead and still able to play at a, a decent level. Yeah. Um, so just kind of wondering, since they were one of the few bands I could think of that kind of called it a day without it being like, oh, someone died. There's an injury going on. Something yeah. else happening. 
if you know what the response was when you guys decided to call it a day was it more like uh, stoked I, like stoked on you guys at least kind of doing it on your own terms or more like bummed? i think it was that i think it was the way that we presented it because you know none of us like hate each other there's you're always going to have band differences you're in the same two moving <laughs> five by 12 box for months and you with guys that you you eat with you sleep next to you shit next to they know all the good things about your personality and they know all the little shitty things you do too and but at the end of it i don't think any of us it wasn't like this super negative thing it was just kind of like if anything i think it was preventing that from coming it was kind of like hey we're all kind of wanting different things like there was and to be fully blunt josh wasn't stoked on touring anymore but was still doing it and not necessarily seeing it as this terrible thing he was just kind of like i'm doing it because you guys this is just what i do he's like i like playing shows i love hardcore i love making music but the traveling six eight that's that wears on somebody that nomadic lifestyle is I truly don't think that humans are necessarily wired for that. All like, and the ones that are are few and far between. Um, and you know, the traveling to him, it kind of he was like, you know, I, I'm fucking tired. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's it's physically wearing on me. It's, and a lot of it, you can't have stable things. Like you, you know, there is no routine. There's right. the routine of the road, which is, you know, the, yeah, there's some routine to it. But as far as like having a, a whole, it's not like you're like, okay, every other month I'm on tour and it's no more, no less. So my family knows this and this. It's sporadic. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we have like only a little bit of touring, but there's full days of travel where you're not yourself. You're out of your, your element. You're on three flights, all this shit. And he was just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm fucking tired and that's how I feel. And I would like, I think I want to say one of his suggestions and I might, this might be wrong, but I feel because a lot of stuff happened this one night in this big talk we were having kind of everything all snowballed into this six hour conversation that included like eating dinner and like everything. Um, and it spilled over to the next morning when we like, made the final decision but a lot of it was just like he wanted to kind of chill and he has like a you know of a, a good home life that he's never been able to give a lot of time to um at least since i met him like he moved to milwaukee and within four months i had him on the road uh gone that's it like i had never met him we met a few <laughs> months. we met I, the second time i ever met josh was when he was when Marcus and I brought him in to see how it would be being in a band with him. That was, I had met Josh once before that for about five minutes. Um, all I knew is that he wanted to go and he didn't care where he was just like <laughs> I'm ready. So like that mentality. And then you fast forward seven, eight years. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, man. Like, and then, but then there's me on the other side who until I physically can't do this anymore. I, you know, 
this is the only thing that really makes sense to me. So instead of, but the dynamic of the band has always been go, 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 go. So it's, and we've never been a band that could just play five shows a year and people give a shit and shit like that. Like, or that we still have the same like fire about it. So I was like, well, I'd rather if we're going to end it kind of the only way I'll say I'll agree and make sure everything's on good terms and everyone's happy is if you guys essentially give me a year, give me one more year, finish this record, do, and I'll, we can go everywhere one more time. Like by everywhere, I mean like go to Europe, go to Japan, go to Australia, do Canada again, like places that we have friends. Cause you know, I don't know if there's certain guys from Expire who are going to see any of those people or those places ever again in their lives. Right. It's just how – it's nothing wrong with it, but it's just you saw it and, you know, you stop this lifestyle and all of a sudden things get really expensive. <laughs> like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, you're, you, you don't have – oh, I want to go to Japan. Well, you don't have a promoter there who's being like, oh, I would love to pay for your flights. <laughs> you go, oh, I oh I have to pay for these Oh, I have to pay for hotel. Oh my God. I have to do everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like that stuff, that's how it is. Um, so it just, you know, there was nothing, no bad blood about it. I think any, I don't, I think we did it our own way. And I think everyone who, the majority of the people who kind of saw how we were doing it and read kind of the explanation that we had posted about it and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't actually a feeling I needed to explain it to anyone. It's just like, if you knew the band, and saw what we were doing and how we were going out. It was the only way that made sense. Excuse me. The only way that made sense. Yeah. I mean, we've been go since day one and ending it any other way uh, just sucks. Like that's, there's nothing good about that. So I think the way we did it was very positive and very made sure everyone was happy. And, you know, we were happy. Fans of the band were happy. Uh, kind of the last, I'd say like maybe two questions on on the expired time. Sure. Sure. When putting together that documentary that yeah. put, for the house show tour, yeah. what's it like to be in the mid? Actually, I think you started it. The started the. It looked like you did the interviews. I think before you actually started that tour, if if my timeline is correct, right? Or did you do it after it was done? We did it afterwards. We did but, it like the the day, like the. I'm trying to think because the last show was in Milwaukee. Yeah. I think we might have started them that night. Okay. After the show. Some of the some of the uh interview parts made it yeah. seem like it was being done like the day before you left for the tour. So I was kind of wasn't no, sure. I think the guys my buddies who did it kind of just they're really good at it. <laughs> like and they're kind of they they made questions so they could place them throughout okay. it and it could talk as it went along. Okay. Um, and sort of narrate it. Um, but the question I, I have then, and it still applies even regardless sure. if you did the interviews after, but being so quickly afterward, it works as well. Was it hard to talk about, cause you still had tours coming up, but was it weird to kind of talk about the band? Like it was already done. And to then when the thing came out, having, kind of watching it and being like this is kind of the this is the end and kind of putting yeah Um, like a like a stamp kind of on it like this is here's the here's the thing that talks about us and as as we are going to be no more to me and a lot of i mean this is this is like 
worded slightly differently, but a lot of friends have asked me similar questions or maybe a more broad, like, you know, you've known this was happening for a while and you still had stuff to do. You know, how do you feel? And for me, I can't really speak on the other guys, but for me, it was very, we as a band decided that we were going to break up in March of last year. And we didn't announce it until August. So we were kind of just sitting on it. And, you know, like we, we went to Europe and took Cross Me with us. And like all of them knew, but I mean, we still had, we didn't announce it. We all knew like, you know, there were certain cities on that tour that I was like, we can't really, you know, we weren't saying it at shows, but all of us were like, this is the last time we're ever going to be here. Like we went to places like Greece and Bulgaria and shit like that for the first time and the last time as, as a band. And to me, going back and watching it, it wasn't, it like, there were little parts that I like bummed me out, but mostly just like when my bandmates talk, cause we are like, we're all friends, but we don't always like say that kind of shit to each other and like talk about each other and like stuff like that as far in this, like, you know, all encompassing way. So that was really the only thing that got me, you know, slightly emotional about it. But I mean, I've had all this time from, it was almost an entire year from when we decided, then we had this length of time until it was announced that was just kind of like us sitting in this decision and being like, okay, well, nobody else knows about this. And in reality, we have all this time that if things change or if people are home for a little while and go, yeah, we can, you know, we haven't announced anything. We've told a couple of friends, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, right. Um, but it kind of, I think everyone was just, I'm a very, what's the next move? Like, <laughs> and like, what's the next thing? And kind of as soon as everyone was and as soon as I know that someone not necessarily doesn't want to be there but is tired of you know being there as far as being on tour like Josh or you know even Caleb a little bit um I was kind of like okay I'm next thing like there's no going back from this I'm I mentally check out really fast not in like a I don't care away just in like a okay I'm gonna wrap up everything I need to do with this and I'm gonna do the next thing which is like doing stone now but um no, like watching the documentary was – I was – it made me happy because like everyone involved with it was a friend. It was like my band. The two guys that filmed it uh, have been some of my best friends for close to 15 years. Like I grew up in Iowa with them and they moved out to California and I was like, I won't want anyone else to do this except you guys. I'm going to fly you out and we're going to make it happen and like, you know – all the shows were booked by friends and it was just cool, man. It was watching it didn't really get me too worked up. It didn't really make me like overly emotional about shit. It was just kind of like, this is sick. I'm glad that this happened. And um, yeah, it was awesome. What's up, player? <laughs> I got to finish this thing. Oh, hang on for a second. Um, you actually already brought up a stone and kind of sure. it into uh, a question I was going to ask, which was, was it easier to, to kind of do the other tours knowing that you had something to jump right into more or less and kind of reshift and focus on that, which sounds like that oh, is absolutely. exactly what it was. Absolutely. We started the first, 
we started a stone tour the morning after the last expire show like there did was you do no that day. intentionally just it so you did like could i did it i did it sort of intentionally it kind of just worked out timing wise like we got offered uh to to do the show the to do the stone shows and i got the dates and i was like this literally butts up with like the last tour like we missed I think that man judiciary did like one or two shows before meeting up with us, but that was like, this is what makes sense. Okay, let's do it. And there was a little part of me that I didn't really like bring up to, because Marcus who played drums and expired plays bass in stone. Now um, I didn't really bring it up to him. He was like, not unhappy with me, but he was like the day after, like, are you, <laughs> are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like I've just been on tour for close to six, like, I mean, you want to factor in like Japan and shit like that. Like he'd been on tour for six, seven weeks. And then like the dynamic of it to- was so different. And so like you're doing the last expired tour where it's very emotional. And I'm, you know, I have people coming up to me every night and saying what the band meant to them. And it was a very, I'm not great with stuff like that. It's just kind of like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. What do you, like, what do you do with you it? Know what I mean, like it's, it's cool and I'm very humbled by it and I appreciate it. And it's cool that my band could do something for, you know, individual people like that. But at the same time, like how do you necessarily react to that? Um, but going from that and then doing something like the last show where there's like six, 700 of your friends there the next day, getting up at 7am driving to Columbus, Ohio and playing for 30 kids in a coffee bar was just like, this was very like, and okay, that is done. And that is very done. Now we're in this. This is how this is going to go. And it kind of, I think for Marcus, at least it kind of cushioned the mental blow of like, holy shit. It's like actually done. Like I played my last expire show and you know, where maybe beforehand he was like, God, you've got me out for another like 12 days. Like, you know, I'll do it. But like, this is insane. I can't believe we don't even get a day, a day off. Um, at the, at the end of it, he was very like, I get it. It helped. Like, so there was part of it that was intentional, but I didn't know if it would work the way I wanted it to. I was kind of like, I hope this helps Marcus. Uh, it, it did. And I was like, Whew, okay. He's not just man. With, uh, doing the stone stuff now yep. and that being the focus, obviously, uh, you opened up a venue as well out where where you're at. How what does that look like? Trying to balance a, a, a not a new band, but a new in the sense that it's now the full time commitment as far as a band. Yeah, uh, and and now also being like a business owner of sorts and, and a little um, legit like brick and mortar. Luckily, a lot of the um, like the grunt work and the startup was done. We've been working on this venue for like a year. Um, there's been lots of roadblocks, like, you know, slow landlord on shit, like little things breaking things with like the sit, like the last month since I've gotten home from the stone tour has been this nightmare with uh, finishing things and getting approvals from construction permits, plumbing permits, fire permit, all this shit. Um, but that actually all kind of happened since I've been home. So it was kind of a nice okay, well, I have this thing to focus on right now and get all of it squared away and make us fully legal and everything good. Um, but I have a dude, uh, 
a friend of mine, Lenny, who have been just a really good friend of mine for years. It's actually both of us. It's very co like he kind of is the, the workload behind it. Like he knows how to build everything. He runs all the electric. He does. He's kind of like the handyman. And then I'm the one that's like, honestly, like I have this money from expire and I want to give back to Milwaukee and give back to here. And there's no better way than just kind of making this new place for bands. And cause it has practice spaces inside it. So bands, you know, can rent out for the month and, do that thing. And then there's a venue in it and it's cool, man. I I couldn't do it without Lenny. Like he is without question, like the only reason it's able to have, I think it's kind of both of us. It's very like, he couldn't do it without me and me being able to support it in my way. I couldn't do it without him taking care of shit while I'm gone. Like he's in their building and I had like knees, like the month I had off during all the last expire stuff, I had knee surgery. So I'm kind of like in there on crutches but I can't do anything. I can't even lift a piece of plywood because I'm not supposed to have any weight, any extra weight, shit like that. So he just crushed it. Um, and now it's kind of, things are going smooth now and you know, it's, it's self-sufficient, which is the best part is because of the practice spaces in there. It just kind of rides and it's, you know, it, I don't have to worry about, I mean, there's like little thing, you know, people paying rent late and right. standards, and- standard stuff, but Overall, it runs smooth and it's cool and it's, you know, something for the city and for the scene here that I think is much, much needed. Um, So, yeah, I mean, juggling it isn't terrible. It's, you know, and also when I'm off tour, I don't do anything. Like I kind of, (laughs) I kind of like have little odd random jobs I do or whatever. But honestly, it's just like turning the leaf over onto stone. It's just like that's my focus now. And I'm going to play the same role as I did for expire, just band at it and manage the band and make sure things are cool and make sure we can do it for real. So yeah, it's the venue sick, man. Triple zero is awesome. If, uh, is there ever going to be a point maybe where you decide to step away from the touring aspect of things and just focus more on the behind the scenes thing between having your own venue and maybe like being a band manager or running a small label or something? Uh, I could see a label for sure. I've thought about it like, recently a lot actually about doing a label um managing yes and no i like <laughs> it's, it's it always seems it's, like one of those it's a, it's a yeah, thankless it's job like i'll never do it while i'm in a band like n- i have friends that do it and kudos to them whatever i'll never do it in a band i feel to me it feels like a pretty crazy conflict of interest like if I'm managing other bands, but also managing my own band, it just, it doesn't make sense. Or like being a booking agent while you have a band. Some of my friends do it and it's great and they kill it. It doesn't make sense in my head. Like to me, it's a very, you're either on the band side or, you know, you got the suit on. It's, that's it. It's, and, it, and there's this huge part of me like coming from punk rock and coming from this coming from the way that I came up in hardcore where it's just like the older I've gotten, I've had to work with the industry side of things and work with the suit side of things because you realize going like this doesn't change anything and only hurts you, but you can work together while knowing in the back of your head who to keep at arm's length and who to not. And I never want to be some, 
someone that people look at me and go, yeah, like his band's cool, but like I can't talk to him about some things because you know right. I gotta keep him, I gotta keep him back because he's he's just fully like looking out for other people or like has other interests or whatever. So managing, like I've helped. I would rather just be the guy that my friends can come to and be like, what do you think of this? And I'd be like, I don't want any money. I would love to just see you succeed. Right. I would love to just like cross me was a big example of that. I helped them in a lot of ways. Don't want any money. I don't want them to like tell anyone I'm managing their band. I want, it was more like teaching them to fish rather than just being like, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. It was just like, well, how do you hit up a label? It was just like, well, here's what I did. You need to do it yourself. Like teaching friends bands how to do it from what I've learned and good things I've done and my fuck ups too. And being like, oh shit. Like it took me doing this really wrong to be able to know how to do it right. Um, so just stuff like that. Uh, the suit side, I don't think is for me. I, <laughs> I, I mostly hate it. I I, you know, though I do trust the suits who have been in bands more. I was going to say, it seems like there's been a, a, a nice shift to, and, and at least with a lot of the labels that I've followed and the people that work, it's like for every shitty suit manager type person there is, there's uh-huh. someone like Biggie or, you know, over at a uh, good fight and yep. like Carl yep. from ferret good fight and people like John, John James Ryan and stuff like that who are yep. in the trenches, but yep. hasn't really changed who they are. And yeah, I, I, I feel like that's kind of how the at least in the, the the metal hardcore scene, I feel like that's the shift that's been happening over the last, I'd say, five, ten, well, probably like 10, 15 years, really, where it's kind I, of I agree. I think it's it needs that it needs. Like. It's hard from speaking from someone in bands, it's hard to trust someone who is supposed to have your best interests in mind, who, you know, has never had to do a 12 hour overnight drive. Right. Who has never showed up to a show and gotten paid five bucks and has to drive eight hours. And there was, you just played for the promoter. Yep. I can't, I, it's, it's, I can't trust someone like that. I can't trust <laughs> them to the level. I would trust someone who had, like you said, been in the trenches, who had played the shit shows, like who honestly has the negative experiences matter more to me than the really good ones. Like, Oh cool. Like I was in this band and it was just like, good, 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 good. Like, fuck that. How can I trust (laughs) you when something bad happens? Or how can I trust you to look at a routing that has five, 10 hour drives in a row and not veto that shit? Like you're going to kill the band. You're going to make them hate touring. Um, And I know managers and agents like that. And it's like, that's cool. You you somehow convince some bands to put their lives in your hands. That's fine. Maybe you do a really good job for them. You, you get them on good shows and they make money and blah, blah, blah. But like the second those ba- something goes wrong for those bands, A, I don't think you're equipped enough to ha- – like as well as someone who has been in a band to know how to remedy that. And I feel like the bands have to play the shitty shows. That's the only way that you get through it. It makes the good shows better and it – toughens your skin a little bit you you're not this you know super fragile little thing in a van and if it's too hot you're like bitching or if the show had 20 kids at it that loved your band and would die for your band but no merch. you would have rather played the show <laughs> with 200 kids that couldn't have that were just there because it was a social gathering right like play the shitty shows play 
and play everywhere. God, like I hate this idea of like, and this is this is like some Midwest shit coming out. People skipping <laughs> people skipping over certain areas, or managers or agents having them skip cities based on money or based on whatever coming from a Midwest band, there is nowhere that gives a shit more that your band came to their shitty town than all the weird little shitty towns. Like every single band wants to play Chicago. Every single band wants to play LA. Every band wants to play New York. Cool. Great. Play the weird ones because those people are like, they came to my town. That is the shit. You know, in all honesty, in a not a bad way, play fucking Grand Rapids. Play, uh, you know, where I'm from, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Play these little towns and that that's it. Like, that's like, those people will remember you while sometimes the bigger ones, there's three shows in a week. Yeah. And they, and they go, oh, yeah, that was cool. I don't really remember. Fuck, there was like a bunch of shows. Show like, fatigue. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you know, it's just how it is, man. Like, play the smaller towns and... You know, but the guys in bands, I feel like understand that more on the yeah. season. No, it was crazy. I remember doing a, like I for a summer uh, living back in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, did a tour, and the only reason I even got in a band was because I drank the my eventual singer's uh, pitcher of whiskey coke at a bar, nice. and that was the only reason I got into the band. Nice. <laughs> and I never learned the set. I never learned. They asked me if I could play guitar, and I said yeah. And they go, "Cool, you're our bass player." Nice. And uh, it was shitty. But I remember we did a, a really, really, really shitty tour that some booking agent, and I'm doing air quotes, uh, okay. did. And we ended up going – the first date from Michigan was Greenbrier, Tennessee, which is yeah. about ten and a half hours away from us. And also, like, what the fuck is that? Uh, well, here, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And the best part is it was across the street from an elementary, yeah. which on their little marquee said it was voted the best elementary or highest tested elementary in the – like. They were in the top five in the U.S. and I was like, "Bullshit!" <laughs> and oh, uh, yeah, and then I remember we got out. It was at a coffee house, and some kid gets out and like after a ten-hour drive, which in a cramp, in our van and our trailer fucked up, so we had to use our singer's Ford Escape. Okay, and uh, we had to rent a U-Haul trailer that we said we since we were all college age, we we're like, "Oh, we're moving back to the UP, so we need this for like a week." Oh, weeks. I did the same thing on the last Inspire tour. Go yeah, took <laughs> it for five weeks. Yeah, so I ended up. Uh, we ended up doing that and just crammed into this fucking Ford Escape. And our guitar player was like, the, looked like Chris Farley and was about the same size. Nice. And uh, so it was cramped nice. as fuck. And yeah. I remember getting there, and as soon as we got out, this hillbilly redneck kid, because like I said, middle of like Deliverance nowhere, goes, "Y'all enormous source, y'all from Michigan, y'all like ICP." And I was like, I've been out of the car for like literally two minutes. I love it. And I, I was like, it. I need to find a liquor store. Like right now, I can't, I can't handle this. Right. <laughs> I didn't just drive ten hours to get to hear that. Like we must love ICP because we're from. Oh, Michigan. you have to. Oh, I get the Iowa thing. People find out I'm from Iowa. Like, oh, do you like Slipknot? Actually, I think I would have fucked with you more. Oh no, they're not from there. Never mind. I was gonna say Mushroom Head. They're from Cleveland. Yeah, they're Cleveland. Whatever. Mass. It's all the same. Huge. But no, I mean. I had that experience, saw the world's biggest subway, and then when I went there and it wasn't, and I was like, well, how, when was this the biggest? <laughs> oh, it was like seven years ago, and I was like, well, shouldn't nice. you take that sign down? They're like, it still brings people, and I was like, that's Absolutely it brings people. That's like, that's horseshit. <laughs> Good shit. But, Good. uh, no, I definitely, like, that's why, like, I don't mind having bands stay at my house and shit like that, because it's like, yeah. I've done those, like, 10-hour drives, and you're cramped and smells like farts, and oh, yeah. you have no money, and you're lucky to have a 
can of Shepler ID with a pop top. There you go. But uh, Stone, what can we look forward to with that in the next year we or so? Are... What's the date? date I was going to say, I, I think I, I've already told you I know some of the stuff that's going on, but I don't know if you can announce half of it or whatever. Yeah, uh, we're going to record an LP in uh, June uh, for a week in Chicago at Bricktop with Mr. Andy Nelson. That'll be cool. I'm excited. Um, yeah, then the LP is not going to be out till next year. That's kind of why we're waiting on kind of talking about it even like at all. It's going to come out really early next year and talking about an LP like a year in advance kind of you kind of blow your load a little early. Um, <laughs> so, well, it's one of those things I think if people understand why it takes so long, then there's the writing on the wall that they can infer from there. Exactly. So, yeah, waiting, uh, doing that, and then we leave for a tour like of Western Canada and mostly full U.S. Um, we finish recording on the 18th, and we start a tour on the 19th. So, in Fargo. So we're, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just gonna go. It's gonna be great. I'm very excited. That'll be. Uh, Western Canada, we're alone, and then this band Broken Teeth from the UK are meeting up uh, in North in like San Francisco. So we'll do a few weeks with them. That'll be cool, and then it's gonna just hang for August and kind of just regroup before a bunch of stuff in the fall. Kind of waiting on a few things to get ironed out, but we will be busy throughout the fall. I think we're, we'll be back in Europe. Well, not back. I'll be back, but Stone's first time. <laughs> I was going to say um, it would seem like maybe with having a band that's from overseas, kind of like doing that like show trade, but on a way yeah, scale. It's, yeah, it's, that's kind of the, the vibe is just kind of we're trading and seeing how it goes. It'll be cool, man. Stone's, weirdly enough, we played London once on like a – because of the Expire Cross Me tour, it was everyone in Stone was there. Right. And um, – so we actually played the London show on that tour. Um, it was cool. It was very sick. But yeah. So no, we and actually, I've actually played the Glasgow show too, like two songs. But it was fun. So yeah, that's it, man. Just gonna be busy. Very Is busy. it? Have you gotten used to not having a guitar in your hand when you're performing it? Oh, I love it. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it's so sick. Like I don't have gear. I don't have strings breaking. I don't have. Are you gonna be that singer now that doesn't doesn't like when your set's done? You just go to the merch table and hang out. And don't. <laughs> don't I mean, to... I I do that, but only because we don't really bring like a merch guy with us right now. So it's kind of like I need to. Right. But I'm not. I'm not like the. I'm not helping load. Like blah blah blah. Like any of that bullshit. I hate that shit. Like you're in the band. <laughs> you're in the band. Everybody helps. You sleep around everyone's gear. You help. Right. Um. But yeah, it's. It's cool, man. I it's a totally different dynamic, but I like it so much, and it's I can kind of just control the vibe. Like that's what a singer is supposed to do. I feel like you're supposed to, if there's not energy, you create it, and if there already is energy, you kind of direct it. You know what I mean? It's it's fucking sick. I love it. It's always been one of those like uh, one of my favorite bands is him, and I always remember when. 
their singer was like used to play bass and then they got a bass player and he was like i didn't know what to do so i just started smoking cigarettes even more than i already did just because i was like i don't know what the fuck to do with my hands right so i, I was I wondering kinda... if that was kind of the same i think i saw you make a mention you're like oh like the last day of tour you're like oh it's the first show where i didn't use the mic stand yeah i uh <laughs> i was a mic stand guy for a while i had like it was i it was i, th- I guess a crutch of sorts yeah sort of yeah i guess i didn't really th- i never really thought about it that way but it gave me this kind of barrier between people that i was so used to with having a guitar but i think it just you just get used to it and you're like okay now it's just and then you show up to venues where it's a shitty mic stand or it's the wrong you know it's got all the leg it's like a boom and it's fucking up on you <laughs> and it's all over the place and you look like an idiot so you're just like okay like let's eliminate more of the shit um and be done with that. So it's cool. Well, I was going to say, always like to end the uh, episodes with a song. So pick a song and maybe if it's one of yours, because someone has thrown a curveball the last couple of times and asked to play something that they weren't a part of. But if it is something that is yours, maybe a backstory on it a little bit. Ooh, we'll do a Stone song then. Um, uh let me think. Got to do a good one. Um, there's, I don't know what you have access to right now, but there's. If it's on the internet, I'm sure I can get it. Okay. Well, we do. Or worst case, I will just hit you up and be like, "Hey, send me that." <laughs> we do. We have a song called "Sacrifice" that's pretty sick. That is one of my favorites. We don't play it as much anymore because, like, I'm kind of the only one that really likes it. But. Um, it's like this like real noodly thing and then this kind of like Metallica stompy thing. But I, I like it a lot and it, I guess that song is – I kind of bit a little bit of like a Buried Alive vibe and it's kind of like from their song. I think it's, their song is called My Sacrifice or maybe it's just called Sacrifice. I don't know. But it's very much about like this and about you know doing whatever you need to do to make – Things like your band or things like a venue or things like your hardcore scene grow. And whether it's good or bad things, whatever you have to do to get from today to tomorrow. So that's a pretty big deal. I like that song. That's good. And it's just a riffer, dude. Riffs <laughs> right. Well, I guess uh, that's where we'll cool. end it. So thank Love you it. for your time. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. I'll uh, let no you problem. know when it's out. No doubt. I'll talk Enjoy to you the rest of your Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's gone. Big oh. gone. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Later, buddy. See ya. So that was my chat with Zach Deere of Stone, formerly Expire. Going to keep this outro short and sweet, very much like this episode was. If you would like to follow Zach across the social medias, you can do such on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Zach Deere. That's D-E-A-R. And if you would like to follow Stone, you can on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stone Hardcore. Uh, if you would like to find their music, go to stonehardcore.bandcamp.com, and you can get their uh, Fear Grips EP and their demos from a few years back. Speaking of following on social medias, why don't you give me a follow over at Facebook and Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet me at John's Untitled Pod, or email me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. Lastly, you can also go over to my YouTube channel, which is under John's Untitled Podcast, and I'm slowly still getting up every episode that I've done so far. Uh, This episode will be up in a video format, so you can look forward to actually staring at Zach and I talking to each other. And with that, I'm going to end this episode with the song Sacrifice that 
uh, Zach was talking about at the very end there. So if you like this, again, head over to stonehardcore.bandcamp.com and you can pick this up. It's a donation-based uh, thing, so pay whatever you want for it. And if you want to get the EP Fear Grips, I believe that's $4 over there. So do that, pick up some music, and look for Zach and the rest of the Stone crew out on the road this summer. Enjoy. Everything Find the pain you need 